all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To your previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Relatively Speaking, and thanks for being here. This is a show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today, like every Tuesday at this time, I want to talk about what's going on in your life. Today, we're going to focus on men's health. November is the start of, get this, Movember. It's a global annual month-long mustache-growing marathon that challenges men to grow mustaches and focus on men's health, to help raise awareness about men's health issues like prostate cancer, testicular cancer, even mental health issues such as suicide. It began in Australia uh, back in 2004, but has raised over $800 million and funded over 1,200 projects in more than 20 countries. Now, you don't have to grow a mustache, but I really do want us to talk about men's health and talk a little bit about why we need to emphasize this so much. Most men and women will agree that in in the general context of strength, men are stronger, right? The stronger sex, not all, but in general. And the reason's obvious in general, men are bigger, more muscular than women. They typically can run faster, lift more, throw farther. But in medical terms, it's a really, really different story. When it comes to health, men are truly the weaker sex. So today I want us to talk about why men tend to be weaker medically. Um, We don't know all the whys, but how can men maybe narrow the gender gap that is there in health and and general survival? And I want to talk to you a little bit about that uh, longevity gap. There's a whole lot that's changed in our U.S. over health, dramatic changes over the past hundred years. We've evolved a lot in medicine. We've got a lot of advances in the diagnosis and treatment of most disorders. Also, you know, our lifestyle has changed a bit. There's a new emphasis on healthier diets, good exercise. Many people are listening to that. Um, Also, fewer people are smoking tobacco. So as a result, um, life expectancy has changed, okay? It's changed, but there continues to be a gap between men and women, a gender gap. Uh, People of both sexes now are living longer. Y'all all all know that. 
But every year, women continue to outpace men in survival. And in fact, the gender gap has gotten wider. Back in 1900, now, you you might be amazed to to know the changes. So I'm going to give you um, just a few year markers. So back in 1900, women lived to be 48.3 years. Men lived 46.3. So there was about a two-year gender gap, right? But in 1950, women lived 71 years and men lived 65 years, 65 um, and a half. So about a 5.5 gap. In 2000, women lived 79.7 years, but men lived only 74.3. Again, about a five and a half year gap. And then the last one I have, men lived uh, to be about 81 in 2017. Um, Women, I'm sorry, um, 81 years and men 76 years. Again, a five-year gap. So what's going on? What do you think um, is the reason for that? More than here's some other sort of distressing statistics for most of of us women. Um, More than half of all women older than 65 are widows. Widows outnumber widowers by at least three to one. At age 65, and there are a lot of people, a lot of our listeners are out there and they already know this. At age 65, for every 100 women in the U.S., there are only 77 men. At 85, the disparity is greater Um, with women outnumbering men by two and a half to one. So what in the world's going on? Um, That gender gap is not just the U.S. I've given you some U.S. numbers, but not just in America. Every country with reliable health statistics says the same thing. Women live longer than men. Um, It's in industrialized societies. It's in developing countries. Um, there's just a difference. So what I want to do is talk about why is that? What do you think? I'd love to hear from you listeners. Feel free to jump in and weigh in anytime. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Um, you know, the other the other thing, uh, men do die younger than women, and they actually, listen to this, are more burdened by illness during life. They often fall younger, ill at a younger age and have more chronic illnesses. Men listen because I think most people think the opposite. They think women are less healthy than men because women do go to the doctor more often, right? They go to the gynecologist, they go for their mammograms, they go for their pap smears. Women have a lot of preventive medicine checks that they go to. But men are nearly 10 times more likely to have inguinal hernias in women, five times more likely to have aortic aneurysms, 
um, which can be a, a deadly um, issue. Men are four times more likely to have gout. That's American men, particularly because of the amount of beef that is eaten. Men are more three times more likely than women to develop kidney stones, to become alcoholics. Now, that's another issue that we can talk about and more likely to have bladder cancer and twice as likely to have ulcers and emphysema. Okay. So even though women see doctors more often than men, they cost men, men, not women, men cost our society a whole lot more for medical care beyond age 65. Now, I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you because I wanted to set the stage about what is really going on because I think many men and women out there do not realize all those statistics I just gave you. Maybe you realize that men die sooner, but if you look at what is really happening, um, there are reasons um, out there. So I'm going to throw some questions out to you listeners. Why do you think this is happening? Do you think that men are just not as concerned about their health? Men, are you afraid to know the truth about your health? Are you afraid of doctors? Or do you think it's just not manly to admit there might be a problem? Women, question for you. Do you have trouble getting those men you love in to see the doctor for preventative care? Or even if you think there might be a problem, do you have difficulty doing that? You know, I was talking to one of my daughters this morning about this very topic, and she said, and I was surprised because here this couple is in their 40s. They're pretty progressive people. Um, her husband thinks women can do anything a man can do. And um, yet, and yet, um, to get her husband in for preventative care, she makes the appointments for him because otherwise he won't do it. She makes the appointments for herself, for her children, but also for him. I find it very interesting that that that's, that occurs with them. So before we go to our first break, we have a caller. I want to go to Danny from Pascagoula. Good morning, Danny. Thanks for calling. What's up, mama? <laughs> <laughs> you always be the one I want to vote into the White House. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Danny. I would never want well, that job. Talk- <laughs> no. Well, I'm going to knock it down for you in three three steps. For the okay. man, it's pride. Mm-hmm. Ignorance has grown. A lot of men today, you know, when they were brought up, let's say, in the 60s and 70s, you know, health and medical in America is not such a important thing. You know, uh, fast food, drinking a lot of sodas high fructose, you know, nobody ever looks at how dangerous those things can be in our lives. As far as the woman is concerned, it's changing a lot. She's become more independent between the ages of 20 to 50. And 
she's gotten them same kind of attitudes. So go get you a fast coffee, drink you a fast meal, fast food. See, back in the day, it was always about, I'm going over grandma's house, have me some greens, some vegetables, some steak, and, and something good to eat. Now it's, I'm going to McDonald's, going to Kentucky Fried Chicken, Pizza Hut, you know. And, and, right. and it's changed over the years, but a lot of it has to do with pride. People's pride gets in the way. The humbleness is not there like it used to be. So people are just afraid to go and see the doctor. Now, COVID does not help. So that's what no. I think my view. Yeah. Well, Danny, you've got you've got some good points. And that was my question. I'd love to hear from other men. Is is it pride? Is it just that you don't want to admit that you are not perfectly healthy and perfectly strong? Are are you afraid? Now uh Danny mentioned pride and fear. But we are. I said a lot of changes have happened. We do have had. We have had a lot of health advances. We know. We know how to keep ourselves healthier, but we're not doing it. Why not? So we're going to go to our first break, and when we come back, we are lucky enough to have uh, expert Dr. Jarrett Morgan will join us to help us navigate through this. Um, and he'll be able to answer some of our, your medical questions that you might have as we step through this. So we're talking about men's health. Why do men die earlier? Why don't men go in as often as women do for preventative care? We want to hear from you. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about men's health. November month, the month-long time when men are growing mustaches to recognize um, how important preventive care, um, and taking care of yourself. Um, for men, it is. And the fact that there's a gender gap is something that I wanted to talk about today. Is it all about just not doing preventive care? Are there other areas in which there really are issues where men perhaps are more vulnerable? And maybe that means that maybe men need to be 
much more careful about taking care of themselves. So I'm delighted, as I mentioned prior to the break, to have Dr. Jarrett Morgan, who is an assistant professor in internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center with us today to help us better understand why this is happening and maybe some ways that we can narrow the gap, improve longevity, improve overall health in later life. So welcome, Dr. Morgan. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to speak today. So I know we've we've got uh, a caller on the phone already, James from Vicksburg. So um, before we get to James, I just want to remind everybody that when it comes to health, males really are the weaker sex, it seems, throughout life. There's probably no single answer. We'll talk through this as we move along in our conversation with Dr. Morgan. Um, There's probably a mix of complex biologic, social, and then certainly behavioral factors that we've already talked a little bit about. But before we get into all that, I'm going to go to James in Vicksburg. Hi, James. Thanks for calling in. Hi. Um, I have one simple reason, and one reason only really why I don't seek more preventative care myself or my wife really. And that's simply cost. Mm. We, we both work full time. Uh, health insurance is really expensive. And even with the insurance, it's still really expensive to go to the doctor for anything. Well, you know what, James, that's a good good thing to bring up. And um, I would hope, and I thought, but maybe Dr. Morgan can help us a little bit with this. I know in the child world, preventive care is covered in both in, in both um, Medicaid insurance and private insurance. Um, but is that not so in adult medicine? Dr. Morgan, what is your experience with that? Do you feel like, I, I hear what James is saying, cost in both missing work, but also then having to lay out money. Can we talk a little bit about the, the value of preventive care and what might happen if we don't do it? Right. So um, that's a very good point, uh, and I appreciate the caller for bringing that up. So um, it really kind of depends on your insurance um, status. Um, different insurances will allow for certain preventative measures or preventative visits, uh, just like what you were kind of alluding to, Dr. Buttress. Um, and, and that's really where kind of the focus a lot of times should be uh, for men with healthcare is the prevention of costs or prevention of these um, healthcare complications. And so really when you come of, um, within a certain age range, 20s, 30s, 40s, most insurances, uh, again, again, some insurance plans may differ, uh, but it's important for, for people to at least explore what their options are. But most will allow for at least a yearly uh, medical visit uh, for a comprehensive history and physical and as well as age-specific screening. And that usually includes be it an electrolyte panel or a cholesterol check or in some cases a diabetes marker like a hemoglobin A1C. And as time goes along, those costs can get a little bit higher, obviously, for people who have those conditions and who are seeing follow-up. 
Um, but for the focus, especially with what we're talking about with focusing on prevention or preventative measures, it's a little bit more expedient early on to at least have those yearly checkups to where doctors can focus in on uh, and screen for those conditions early on. Right. You know, that's that's one of the issues that we talk about a lot in the child world is um, developmental screening, um, trying to pick up on any kind of problem that a child has early, because if you do, the problems are lessened later if you intervene early. The same thing, right, goes for adults and certainly for men. You just mentioned uh, diabetic screening, looking at blood pressure, for example, um, looking at general weight and health uh, are, are all issues that if you, if you have elevated blood pressure, elevated cholesterol, and you intervene, you can make a difference, can't you, Dr. Morgan? Yes, ma'am, for sure. Uh, you, you kind of mentioned that earlier with regards to once those conditions set in and complications arise, that's when the cost really goes up because you have more frequent visits, you have um, extra medication costs. Um, if things go to even more advanced stages, you have to be hospitalized in a lot of cases. Uh, and that's any of the examples that I've seen um, in the hospital itself where I have younger or middle-aged um, men who are admitted with advanced diabetes and who have kidney failure or who have advanced infections related. And even in the case of heart disease or hypertension, uh, you have heart attacks or you have um, advanced heart failure. Uh, and so, again, kind of the focus a lot of times from my aspect is on prevention early on um, and having those routine screenings and checkups. So, right. So, James, um, it might be worth that added cost to go ahead and take a look and just make sure that you're not missing something that would would cost so much more later and, sure. and maybe loss of job, right? Sure. I think also yeah. fear, fa so fear factors into that because then if some, something is found, that is needed, uh, you know, additional care or whatever, mm -hmm. that, yeah. uh, that even that it's just going to be so costly, <laughs> people could lose everything. Mm -hmm. Now, that's actually a really valid concern, James, and, and it's something that um, is not said a lot in my clinic, but I can tell that that's a lot of what families, thinking, or, or families are thinking about and men are thinking about. Just because you want to care for your family and you want to provide for your family. Um, but the way that I like to think about it is more of an investment. Um, and and sure. you want to ensure that things don't get worse. Um, because if things were not to be found early on and they were to go to their even more advanced stages, kind of like I mentioned earlier, um, right. that would make the situation a lot worse for you and your family, um, as well as just the emotional toll that, should things go bad in the future, that, again, would be a lot worse for you. But I fully understand exactly where you're coming from. Sure. Well, I hope that answers your uh, question as well. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying to James, I hope that uh, answered your question or at least helped you out a little bit. Sure. Thank you. Yes, sir. Well, James, thanks for calling and laying it out there. I have absolutely no doubt that many men do not want the cost layout 
um, that they have to have. Um, and, you know, my contention is that everybody should have um, totally covered preventive care because if we did a good job with that, we would do so much better um, in, in having better health. If you find out early that you need to make changes, you can do that and often it can make a big difference in your ultimate health outcome. My opinion, not the radios. I just have to make sure everybody knows that. But I think most people in medicine, um, right, Dr. Morgan, believe that if we could just get everybody in for preventive care, we'd have um, we'd have better health outcome overall. Um, all right, let's stay on the phone. We have Dan from Yazoo. Hi, Dan. Thanks for calling. Hi. Uh, enjoying listening to the show here, and I'm in um, full agreement with Dr. Morgan uh, on her preventative uh, 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 push for, for me, and I am uh, going to relate a story that that's my story, a testimony that um, when I was 57 years old, I'm 69 now, but when I was 57 years old, I was re uh, receiving my routine annual uh, checkups, and, and I had uh, about three or four weeks before I was having symptoms, and my wife uh, fatigue and just uh, just utter fatigue and losing weight, and uh, my wife said, well, you know, go and go to the doctor, and I'm like, oh, I've got my annual checkup. And in, by virtue of waiting that long, I almost waited too long because uh, when I went for my checkup, it turned out I had acute myelogenous leukemia. And uh, wow. so I was immediately uh, put in the hospital. Uh, the, the very, the, that was like on uh, a Thursday, and by Monday I was admitted and started on uh, chemo and had two very aggressive rounds of chemo and then uh, was blessed to have a uh, stem cell transplant, and um, again, I contracted it uh, nine years later, but uh, God willing, you know, I will uh, continue to be able to give this message, and I think that's one of the reasons that uh, that I was uh, spared and healed from this with two, two of these stem cell uh, transplants was because uh, I, so often when I talk to people who have cancer, you know, I can kind of relate to them, but people who do don't understand, you know, uh, who who have not had cancer, just don't understand the the gravity of the situation. I mean, you think you do, but you don't until it until it hits you. But I tell them, especially the uh, group of, of men, when I talk to them, I say, guys, I know you don't like to go get checkups. No, no men don't, and that's just something you got to get out of your head. Because let me tell you what happened to me, and it was on a simple checkup, and I just stressed to them, please, please. Get the checkup. Um, as the previous caller said, he was concerned about the cost financially, but the cost financially is uh, nil compared to the cost of your life. And, you know, that's that's just the thing I want to just reiterate and just tell that story and say, hey, guys, do it. For the sake of your family, for the sake of uh, all your loved ones, get it done because it can be a lifesaver. All right. I just thank you for your time. I enjoy your show. Thank you, Dan. I don't think either Dr. Morgan nor I could have said it any better than you did. Do you, do no, you Dr. Morgan? 
No, definitely not. Thank you for your for your call and for your testimony. That I appreciated that story. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, y'all y'all doing a great job. Thank you so much, you. Dan. Well, we wish you continued good health, and we hope that that um, you'll have many, many more years with your wife. So good for her. Good for pushing you um, to, to take care of yourself. And I think your comment is exactly right to remember that um, sometimes the discovery of something that could drastically shorten your life can be taken care of. Uh, you know, again, I just want to mention um, high blood pressure, which is so common in, in men in the South, particularly, and particularly in the African-American population. And if you only get it discovered and treated early on, how much difference you can make, right, Dr. Morgan? You might want to comment on um, on the blood pressure issue uh, just for a minute before I break. For sure. So, you know, blood pressure, they call it the silent killer for a reason. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people kind of underestimate the, the potential danger of it, because you can go around with moderately um, high blood pressure and not really feel the effects. Um, but the, your organs do. So your kidneys, heart, eyes, um, multiple organs can feel the effects that go on for years, and, and eventually it gets to a point where the complications become irreversible. Uh, but that's definitely one of the harder ones for, and especially in my practice, for people to kind of understand uh, or come to grips with the danger of it. Uh, and I think that you mentioned you mentioned just in, especially in the African American community, and I can attest to this um, as an African American myself um, that a lot of times it is the subconscious mindset of it's not going to happen to me. And I think maybe that's what, somewhat what the previous caller was alluding to. It's just that we never think it's going to be me. We never think it's going to be us who has a heart attack. Um, so that kind of influences how we avoid care or how we avoid just the thought of taking an extra pill uh, to help control blood pressure. Um, and I think a different aspect, and we can, of course, uh, talk about this a little bit more, um, is just a, maybe a, a, a sense of distrust in the medical community um, with regards to African-Americans. Uh, historically speaking, there have always been horror stories, but I think in general that may influence a lot of uh, thinking with regards to avoiding care or avoiding checkups, um, trying to avoid extra cost or avoid extra tests that some deem kind of unnecessary, uh, but ultimately may prevent um, complications and help save lives as well. Right. Great points. And I think a, a great discussion point after we come back from this next break. Um, we have open lines, callers. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that, the distrust. Um, give us a call at 877-MPP-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress with Dr. Jarrett Morgan, and we're talking about men's health and why aren't men taking better care of themselves. We'll be right back.
Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about men's health. Movember, the month where men grow mustaches and raise money to address men's health issues. But why do we continue to have the, the gap? Why do women live longer than men? Is it all about the fact that women just are healthier? Not so much. Um, There seem to be several things going on, but one of them may be that men do not access preventive medicine as much as they should. Um, And I want to ask women, what do you think? We've had... Um, some great callers from men about why they didn't and perhaps, um, and even one from um, Dan who talked about when he did and how it likely saved his life. Um, but, But what are, what are you women with the significant men in your life um, if you struggle to get them into the dock, why is that? Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. And, man, I would love to hear more from you about the, the positive outcomes, if you have any. But right before the break, Dr. Morgan brought up something that I think we need to talk a little bit further about. And that is that um, men, maybe in general, maybe more in the African-American population, but I don't know so because I've heard it in both, the distrust, the concern that, gosh, those docs just want you to come back because they make more money doing that, Um I don't, you know, I don't really trust them. They're going to prescribe a medicine that's going to be more hurtful. Um, Dr. Morgan, what kind of things do you hear? Similarly along that line. So a lot of times it's um, uh, kind of has, has been mentioned before that I don't want to take an extra pill or I don't want the extra cost. Um of having an extra test. So let's just say um, a person comes in for a routine screening visit and on their chemicals, on their chemistry panels, I see that their kidney function is slightly off. So then I have to order further testing to either test their urine or either get further imaging. And all these things are pretty standard as far as investigation, but all of that kind of feeds into the mindset of why am I going through all this if I don't actually feel any difference So I think a lot of times it's the subconscious nature of not really feeling any different per se, but still need to go through the extra, quote, burden of these extra tests. Yeah, good point. 
All right, we are going to go back to the phones. We have um, a few callers. We have Mike from Natchez. Hi, Mike. Hello. Uh, I think you were talking about prevention. Is that correct? I had to do something real quick. And then I came yes. back to the radio. You talk about something else that I know nothing about. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. We're talking well, about prevention. Yeah. You're right on. You're, you're spot on about prevention. We take care of ourselves. Just think of all the money we can save from Medicare. Are you familiar with the program called Welcome to Medicare? Yes. 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 Yeah. Well, Welcome to Medicare was a program that was pushed by the association that I ran in Washington, D.C., the Association of Schools of Public Health, that calls for an annual physical or pre-physical before you turn 64. And you're able to take this physical free of charge in order for your physician, your primary care physician, to find out if you do anything wrong. So, so, so the, the, the physician can take care of the, the problems you might have before the kids are cute. And I don't know how much millions and millions of dollars to save, but if you know most of the money Medicare has spent the last year of our lives. So at least this is called Welcome to Medicare, and it was uh, supported by the Association of Schools of Public Health, who also lobbied strongly to add the word prevention to CDC. For years it was just CDC, but we lobbied strongly to have our own prevention programs. So I want to applaud you for bringing the attention to uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You all have a very, very strong program, a series of programs, and have a sustaining member, my wife Elaine and I are, and we commend you for it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Mike, and thank you for your sustainer membership. That is awesome, and it's the lifeline for MPB. We really appreciate that, and thanks for bringing that up, because I think, you know, if everybody, I mean, obviously, Welcome to Medicare is is a, a, a wonderful project, but if we could only just do a welcome to adulthood and have people moving along that way, wouldn't that be awesome um, to get started well much, much earlier? Well, thanks for all that information. That was very helpful. We're going to stay in Natchez. We have Francis on the line. Thanks, Natchez, for listening. Francis, tell us your thoughts. Yes, uh, I'm an African-American male. I was diagnosed with uh, hypertension three years ago. Uh, the doctor prescribed lisinopril. Okay, uh, about a month ago, my lips started swelling. And uh, I was telling a friend of mine about, you know, my lips swelling. And she told me, Francis, uh, lisinopril, I read the fine print, and it said it's not recommended for African-American population. Why are doctors allowed to prescribe if it to prescribe it if it's, you know, uh, not, you know, recommended for the black population. Mm. Dr. Morgan, that's something we need you to answer. Right. So as far as the, the kinds of studies on uh, certain medications, we do know that some affect um, different racial groups a little bit differently. Um, as far as ACE inhibitors, now I am personally not aware of any data that says that it's not routinely recommended in uh, African Americans. Uh, I personally have used ACE inhibitors quite a bit in, in my black patients, both men and women. Now I will say that as far as side effects, now side effects, uh, the ones that you're kind of describing, sounds kind of like one called angioedema. And that is, that can be seen in both white and black population. So. Uh, a poor, an important aspect 
and when you're prescribing medicines, as far as what I try to do is to kind of talk with people in-depthly about potential side effects or potential effects. Um, but regarding your initial point, I'm not personally aware of any that are routinely not recommended in black population. I hope that answers your question or your comment. Not really. <laughs> okay. But thank you, though. Yes, sir. Well, I, I think what Dr. Morgan was saying, Francis, is that um, – that you have to be aware that lisinopril, like other meds, can cause side effects. But in in the African American population, um, that medicine is not contraindicated because you are African American. That means it doesn't mean you can't give it, um, and it doesn't mean right that you're more likely to have that reaction. Um, you need to watch out for it, whether you're white or black. So, um, Francis, I hope you went back to your doc and you let him know you had the side effect and that um, obviously a medication change would be needed. All right. Well, thanks for your call. That was a good question. Uh, we're going to stay in the phones. We have V from Wayne County. Hi, V. Thanks for calling. Hi. Um, it's been my experience with African-American men. Um, encouraging them to go in for medical uh, health care or checkups. Um, some say, oh, I'm not going to have anyone going up my rectum. They're, they're proud. They're macho. Uh, some don't have the insurance. Um, some have uh, mentioned that they're uncomfortable with the provider. Um, there's not a... a non-black provider that they can feel comfortable with. Um, one person went in and they found out, uh, for instance, that they needed uh, surgery. They had an ingrown toenail. Um, one person went and said that they just went in time for the um, prostate treatment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're macho, and I think stress and racism is a part of that. They're just macho. You just, yeah. It's, just, it's like pulling teeth with some to get them yeah. to go in. Yeah, I think um, I hear I hear what you say, and and I think that many times. Um, men in general grew up thinking that you're more manly if you don't succumb to anything, whether it's depression or um, admit to anything, whether it's depression or any other kind of health problem. And, and then the distrust you brought up. So it, it is often, it feels better for um men to be treated by a man that they feel that they have commonness with, just like women um, more often now are comfortable with um, women physicians. But I've heard the crossover on both. I've heard some men say they prefer a woman physician and the opposite. So I think it just depends. Um, so I, uh, you bring up some great points about 
trust and distrust. And I think the main thing is to investigate who your doctor is, make sure they're a good doctor, make sure they're well-trained. It honestly doesn't matter what color they are. If you don't have good rapport with them, find yourself another doctor who is well-trained. Um, I want us to go. Thank you for that call, V. That was a, that was some good insight. Um, I want us in the last few minutes to go next to Tim Timothy from Louisiana. I understand he has a great story to share with us, and then we'll wrap things up with Dr. Morgan give us, giving us some final words of advice. But Timothy, thanks for calling. Good morning. Yes, or good day, I should say. It's dang near noon. Um, <laughs> Um, yes, I, I got a colonoscopy, you know, and in that process of the, uh, 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 the prep for the colonoscopy, I took this stuff called prep and they scanned me. And when mm -hmm. they scanned me, they found a aortic aneurysm. So wow. I had no idea that it was there. I mean, I felt great. Okay. I felt I had no indicator. They called it a triple A, you know. Um, and I got the stents installed before they did the, the uh, ascending aortic resection, uh, or I mean ascending uh, colon resection, because uh, wow. they found a little section that was damaged, you know, and so they resectioned my colon. But before they could do that, they had to fix the aorta. And so I'm just pleased as punch, you know, that, you know, I, that I got the colonoscopy. I wouldn't know, I would, I would, I would if, I, if I had resisted my colonoscopy, I'd be probably dead today, you know. Wow. What a story. You are absolutely right. Dr. Morgan, I know you're dying to come in on yes. this one. <laughs> yes. Thank you for calling in. I, I think these stories uh, speak volumes of just the necessity of just these routine screens and what else may be caught uh, by them. So I appreciate your call. It really means a lot. So, um, that convinced me was that there's a beautiful black nurse that worked at that hospital who I've always wanted to hit on, you know? Yeah. And so I was hoping if she saw me naked, she'd like, you know, I could get some play, you know, but it didn't work. <laughs> Timothy, uh, shame on you. Um, so Dr. Morgan, um, would you just in a couple of minutes comment specifically on aortic aneurysms and how they can be silent um, and how discovery can happen like that? And then, if you will, just summarize a few things that you think men should remember to do as they're moving in up in age through their life and how often those checkups should happen. Sure. So first off with um, aortic uh, aneurysm. So routinely in uh, populations above um, a certain age, usually around 65 or older, uh, for those people who have had kind of an extensive uh, history of smoking, we routinely do um, an ultrasound just at least screen for uh, at least once. And if we find it, uh, then we routinely kind of do repeat imaging every so often. Um, the thing about aneurysms, it goes along with so many other things that we've kind of mentioned, like diabetes and high blood pressure, uh, for the fact that it is silent until, uh, it, uh, until acutely something happens. So the danger with these aneurysms is that at a certain size, they will erupt. And you know, the mortality of 
death for uh, an aneurysm that has ruptured is extremely high. So it is incredibly important that for those uh, men especially who have had an extensive history of smoking, get that routine imaging screening at a certain age that you'll discuss with your doctor. Um, and it kind of speaks to the same principle that we've been speaking for for the last hour in the standpoint of the necessity of routine screening. And it all begins when you're young, and young meaning in your 20s. Having that routine yearly, ideally a yearly screening uh, in which you go in, you talk to your doctor about any uh, conditions or any illnesses that you have. They do a physical exam. Uh, you don't always need labs. I think that also is important to mention that you won't always have labs or tests done. It's really just a matter of checking in, um, talking with your doctor, having your vital signs or having your blood pressure checked, and at certain intervals, be it three to five years, then you may need uh, routine screenings done. Uh, but once you get to a certain point in your 40s and in your 50s, that's when things even become more important to have yearly checkups as well as those routine tests um, to either screen for blood pressure or diabetes or cholesterol, and as well as even having those imaging uh, techniques like colonoscopies or ultrasounds, or if you have a history of smoking, having routine chest scans to look for lung cancer. Um, and so, again, it, these preventative measures uh, inevitably save lives because they will catch things if men take the initiative of keeping in check with your doctor and having those routine checkups. Wonderful information, Dr. Morgan. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you. And I appreciate all of our callers. And I know we had a last caller, Herbert. Please call next week. We want to hear from you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear the show again or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy Relatively Speaking. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio and engineered by Michelle McAdoo, a producer. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking. And stay tuned now for NPR's Here and Now coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio. <laughs>